You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. The truth in the life and the true vine. Now, I've always loved himself the bread of life because there's a real earthiness to that. It's not a, they haven't figured out a way to make bread. Where I train station just outside our doors and just for an hour just ask people, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think Jesus is? Well, first of all, you'd, be, you'd annoy them. But uh, ask it to different people. But uh, who do you think Jesus is? And get, get an idea from people. Many of you did the, uh, the Alpha uh, program. And the, the first series, uh, the first week of Alpha, uh, that question is posed to people on the street. Who was who Jesus? And you can imagine some of the different answers. He was a good man. He was a moral teacher. He was a crazy person. Um, he, he did some miracles, a bit of a magician, maybe. Well, this was, this was going on in Jesus' day as well. People were trying to figure out who he was. And so he actually poses the question to his own disciples in Matthew 16, verse 13. Jesus says this, when, when Jesus came to the, the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, who always liked to answer first, Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Today, as we look at this first I am statement, I I want us to imagine, again, we're not, not that we're just standing outside of the story and looking at, oh good, I'm learning about another Bible story today, but I, I would invite you to imagine Jesus turning, okay, we're reading scripture, we're reading scripture, to turn and look you in the eye, yes, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Because the answer to that will change the way you leave here this morning. It'll change the way you walk into your office this week. Who do you say I am? I am. These guys have been listening to Jesus teach. They've been in John chapter 6. There's a, a crowd that's been watching his miracles. They've been listening to him teach. That just prior to this, he just fed 5,000 people. It seems strange that their response to that is, hey, show us something big. He just fed 5,000 people with five fish and two loaves. And as we read in verse 31, they say, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Because it's, as it's written in Scripture, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So to understand that, and I don't know how well we know our, our Old Testament stories, but they're, they're going back to a story from Exodus chapter 16, where they were, they'd been saved from slavery in Egypt. They're wandering in the desert, and they call out to God and say, You need to feed us. We're not doing well here. So God sends them two great meals. One is quail in the evening that flies low enough for them to literally grab it. Now, that is a way to go shopping. If you got, guys, I just got to step out. I'm going to get dinner. You step out the door, snap, and then we start barbecuing. That's a pretty sweet way to have a meal. And then in the mornings, God provided manna that would be on the ground when they were, it was a bread-like substance. And they called it manna because manna means what is it? And they called it what is it because they didn't know what it was. So it's literally what manna means. And there were, you know what the most miraculous part about manna was? That even the gluten intolerant were still able to eat. There was no complaining. That's maybe the biggest miracle is no one brought that up to Moses. Everyone could eat this bread. It was perfect for everybody. So what's going on here? They're saying, Jesus, you're, you're claiming authority. You're claiming you're sent by God. We know people in the past who've been sent by God, and they did miraculous things. If you're saying you are like Moses or above Moses, you better prove it. 
In other words, if you're going to to make that kind of claim, forget about 5,000 people. How about 40 years and the whole nation of Israel every morning? That's a miracle. I mean, you're 5,000. It's pretty good. That was so yesterday. But what we want to see is something as big as Moses. And and as we read his answer in uh, verse 32, he says, Very truly, I say, now whenever Jesus says very truly, he's about to drop a truth bomb. And he tells like, very truly, everyone goes, oh, here it comes. Something's about to be shaken. I tell you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It was my father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Not just Israel, to the world. Oh, he's expanding something. It's getting bigger. And then Jesus, they said, Jesus, always give this to us. Then Jesus declared, I am. It's not something I just give you. It's me. It's not a sideshow. It is me. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In question, in light of the question of of hunger and thirst, Jesus is saying, I am what you are truly hungry for. So as Jesus looks at you and says, who do you say I am? What are you pursuing? Do you see me as the bread of life? Because we can try to find it in self-sufficiency and try to feed ourselves things on the side. We can try to, to find it with experiences after experiences. We can even try, try to find it by constructing our own identity, and that's how we'll find who we truly are. But Jesus is saying, I'm what you're truly after in all those searches. I am the end of that search. I am what every hunger is trying to satisfy. And so rather than, than, than us, us looking at the, at the stubborn religious Jews of his day, we need to look at ourselves and allow Jesus to glare at us as he says, I am the bread of life and only I will truly satisfy you. Bless you, Henri. So I think the first thing we need to take from this text is this idea that, and Jesus makes it so clear, only Jesus satisfies our deepest, relentless hunger. Something's been itching you this week, a a dissatisfaction with a pursuit that you're going after, that you're spending your, your thought life on, your finances on. Jesus says, only I can satisfy your deepest, relentless hunger. Why? Because there's a lot more to Jesus than meets the eye. There's a lot more to Jesus than meets the eye. Now, just time, and this is what I mean. So it's just time for a little nerdy pastor stuff, which most of you are nerdy like that anyway. You love it anyway, so that's all right. Normally in the Greek, when someone would say, I am, they would say ego. E-G-O would be the transliteration. Ego. I am Brad. Ego, Brad. Or they would use a me. He uses ego emi. He uses both. That's not a normal way to, to speak in Greek. It's not a normal. He puts them together. It's a very rare to have these together. You don't find them very often. But one of these rare places you do find them is in the Septuagint. Now, oh, all right, let's keep going, Brad. This is fun. What's the Septuagint? The Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament. So in Jesus' day, this is what everyone was reading. If they wanted to read the Old Testament, they weren't pulling out Hebrew scrolls. Everyone was speaking Greek, so they would be reading the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, written between the 4th and 2nd century B.C. Now, the Septuagint, when, when Moses is called by God, when called towards the burning bush, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. When, it, when that happens, in Exodus 3, verse 14, it says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
This is what you are to say to the Israelites, to convince them that I have sent you. You you want to say what God sent you? Tell them, I am who I am. I am has sent you. The Septuagint renders that saying, ego eimi. When Jesus says that to the people around him, I am the bread of life. Before he even gets to the bread, he's already made a statement that will make them go, oh, he said very truly. He's dropping a truth bomb. We got to pay attention. Now, we have phrases like that in our lives. If I was to say, uh, as you wish, what comes to mind? Princess Bride. If I was, oh, here's, here's a tough one. I feel the need. The need for speed. Okay? There's a connection there. Anyone want to say the movie? Anyone? Top Gun? What else did I write? Full of anger you are. Okay, well, that's, that's for... But anytime the, 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 the crowd would know what Jesus is referring to. The minute he says, Ego emi, they know he is quoting the very name of Yahweh, the God of the Israelites. The bread, and, and the, the way it's phrased actually aims everything towards him. So literally, the translation would be, The bread of life, I am, I am. The, everything aims towards him as life. The focus is on Jesus. So whatever it means for him to call himself the bread of life, before we even get there, Jesus has already made a claim to deity. Very truly, I tell you, pay attention to what I'm saying. So in verse 32, he makes a, a correction. He says, Moses didn't provide that stuff for you. He was God's man, but, but man came from God. That, that implies that the manna was, was from earth. It was just provided by man. Jesus says, no, 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 no. He said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you this bread from heaven, but the Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So for those who might suggest Jesus was made a Messiah later, or discovered it later, or, or his followers made him into a Messiah, or he thought he was just a man and maybe came to identify as the Messiah after a time, claimed that he never actually made a claim to be God. He is making the claim very straightforwardly here. He's making it very clear. And that's important because he doesn't say, I come from Bethlehem or I come from Nazareth. He says, I come from heaven. God sent me. I am the I am. Not temporary bread. I am the true bread. So in verse 34, they say, sir, give us this bread. And he, he declares, I am the bread of life. Ego ami, bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, and this is where we're continuing on in the text, as I told you, you have seen me and still you don't believe. All those, what he's saying is, you have heard me teach, you have seen the miracles I have already done, and you continue to say, that's not enough, give us more. It's like, I have shown you. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall, not lose, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. Now you can imagine that Jews hearing this for the first time would be a little confused. They would have a few questions. People, especially people who witnessed Jesus grow up, they would be a little confused. Isn't this, isn't this the kid who grew up in Nazareth? There are people who knew his family, who, knew where, who went to school with him. 
who, who, who learned the Torah together with him and say, well, no, we know you. We know how you've grown up. So you can imagine there would be some murmuring and Jesus responds. At this, the Jews, it says in verse 41, began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say that he came down from heaven? It's the last large chunk. Verse 43, stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the father who has sent him draws them. And I so what are you saying? No amount of miracles will do it for you. Don't just keep throwing out something new for me to prove myself. My father will draw you. And I will raise them on the last day. It's written in the prophets. They, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. And only he has seen the Father. Very truly, truth bomb, I tell you, the one who believes in me, that I am the one speaking for God, that I am teaching you as God is teaching you, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors did eat manna in the wilderness, yet they died. True point. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Heaven, And whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Now, whew. verse 44, dissect that a little bit. It says that the Father who sent me draws people. That's a powerful word. When we hear the word draws in English, we think of like, oh, I smelled the cookies in the kitchen and I came in. It drew me in. Or I always have a mindset as an old person of like cartoons who smell like a pie and he's just like floating on the, on the fumes. <laughs> Draws is a little weak. In Greek, it's much more powerful. The words of Jesus are a lot stronger. It's the same word used in Acts 16, 19 for Paul and Silas being dragged out of the market by the, by the crowd of people. In, in Acts, uh, verse 20, Acts chapter 21, verse 30, Paul is dragged from the temple in Jerusalem. So when Jesus is talking about the Father drawing people to himself, no, he's saying dragging people to himself. There's like heel marks sometimes being dragged to him. God through Christ is grabbing and hauling you into eternal life. That is the love and the power and the compassion of God. Without him doing it, Jesus says, we are lost. Jesus says, listen, you want to hear from God? You, you want to come to him? You want to approach him as you never could before? Have the promises of the Old Testament that God would teach you face to face? This is it. You thought manna was a big deal. That was the appetizer. I am the meal. Put that behind you. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Again, imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and saying, only I satisfy. Only I satisfy eternally. Everything else will, that we run after, it has a shelf life. It disintegrates. It dissolves, but not the life and the love of Christ. Only Jesus satisfies eternally. And it, in saying so, Jesus is not saying that every other pursuit is stupid and should be ignored, but that they should have their proper place. There's so many great gifts that God gives uh, to the Israelites to celebrate good food, good drink, good company, good music, celebration. But they all get shifted off if God is not the center. But when they orbit around God as the center, they find their right place. The same is true of us who follow Christ. 
All the good things that we've been gifted in in life are more enjoyable and properly uh, a part of our lives when they orbit around Christ at the center. He says, don't, don't get caught up on manna. That was sufficient for the day. Then you had to collect more the next day. I am sufficient for eternity. Jesus is not a one-off God. See, the, the thing about every miracle Jesus performed, every miracle Jesus performed, every person he brought back from the dead, every person who was sick for a while and had a high fever or whatever, they all died eventually. They were not long, they were not eternal miracles. He was, he was pointing to something much larger. That's why I love the Gospel of John, and some of you will notice if you've studied John, that instead of the word miracles, he uses the word signs. Jesus performed a sign. It's, a, it's meant to point you in a direction, as signs do. All, first of all, it, it aims you towards his greatest miracle, the resurrection. So as you see all these things, you're looking ahead. And then, of course, the resurrection points us to his kingdom coming. But the, the thing is, everyone that Jesus brought back from the dead healed, or, or, or they, they got hungry again. Those 5,000, the next day, as we read, <laughs> feed us again. He says, no, no, I'm going to satisfy you with something eternally. So I think it's important question for you and I right now is what are we asking Jesus for? Even as we come here this morning and he's saying, I've got eternal life and, and, and the, 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 a deep life, a good life. I have that life for you. What do you want? What do you want for me? Do you want just side, some tricks on the side or do you want more of me? Are we asking for financial help? Are, are, we, are we asking for, for marriage, some treats on the side? Or are we asking for more of him? Because every other pursuit will tire us out and will continue to make us hungry and continue to make us thirsty. But only Christ can satisfy eternally. He says, your ancestors, 48, your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, but they died. You just want to go back to manna. I'm offering you something so much better than that. Here's the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone, not just Israelites, anyone can eat and not die. The connection that we, we draw as, as Christians to the Lord's Supper is obviously very strong. And as you move further through chapter 6, it, it becomes more and more rich, that connection of the Lord's Supper. And every time that, that we've done communion here at Town Center, I, I, I've tried to, to emphasize the idea and the importance that we look to Jesus over and over and over to sustain us. It's not a one-off. It's not, check, I'm saved. <laughs> and it's not, and we often fall on one side of the coin. Either I got saved so I have my life insurance, so I got the pie in the sky when I die. Or uh, my sins are forgiven, I'll kind of live how I want. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. As you think of me, of, of bread that sustains, you come to me daily. Come to me daily for sustenance. Come daily in view of eternity. And I tell you, uh, and I've shared, this, I've shared this up here a few times, but with, with some of you uh, personally, I have found myself maybe more than ever in these last three years coming to Jesus several times a day and saying, I need you to sustain me today. There is so much anger. There is so much fear. Jesus, I need to come to you, and I need you to sustain me today. There are family burdens. There are illnesses, whether it's in the family or walking with others. 
There's, there's anger in the world right now. There is frustration in the world right now. And the, the demand that I take an opinion and take a strong stand and pick a tribe, it is wearing on my soul. And the only thing that will sustain me, the only thing truly meant to sustain me is you, Jesus, the bread of life. The great I am, the one who manifests himself in the flesh to give up that flesh so that all could come to the Father. That is what I need. And Jesus says, yes, I am the bread for eternity, but I am also your daily bread. I, I, only Jesus satisfies us daily. He is our daily bread, our sustenance. And I know for myself, I know for myself, I can find myself snacking on other treats all the time thinking that they're going to bring sustenance, and they never will. I snack on recognition. Love it when I'm recognized for things. That's a good one. I snack on power. Uh, yeah, hey, get this. Get it done. That feels good. And if those aren't doing it, then I'll, I'll find something that I think will be a bit without. Those didn't really do it for me. So I'm just, I'm just going to lose myself in a season in, of something in Netflix. Fast food. Some will overindulge in, in drinking or eating. So the, those things that were meant to serve us, we become masters to them because they were never meant to be our sustenance. And if we try to make them our sustenance, we will drown in them. So my encouragement to all of us would be to be very careful where we're snacking these days. Oh, there's so many snacks being offered. You're going to hear, before you make it to your car, you're going to see something on the side of the Sky Train or you're going to hear something that's going to say, try this. Try this. It's a strict diet of the bread of life or an ongoing feast on Jesus Christ that will protect us from, from feasting on those little things and, and chasing, using our time and our, our finances and our thought life to chase after those things that can never truly satisfy. The crowd that was surrounding Jesus said, prove to us that you satisfy Prove to us that, that you offer something nothing else has. Jesus, show us something. Prove, us, prove to us why we should eat this bread, take on this kingdom that you proclaim. Why should we give up everything and follow you? What kind of proof do you bring? Sometimes we ask that. Jesus, why, why, why am I spending my time on this? This is rough. Why am I spending my time on this? Everything else looks so much more shiny than you right now. Jesus, after Jesus died and was resurrected, he appeared to his, his disciples. And they doubted <laughs> for good reason. Because they saw with their eyes and they heard with their voices the screams of crucify him, crucify him. They heard Jesus' own words. They heard him cry out, it is finished. They watched his body be taken from there. It makes sense that they would have some questions if Jesus shows up in the room while they're all talking about it. In Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 40, it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I love it when angels or Jesus shows up in a miraculous way, and he's like, don't, don't be scared. Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
Behold my hands and feet. I'm not a ghost. I am the risen king. I am the Lord of lords. In other words, disciples. In other words, uh, religious Jews. In other words, world that looks at me with doubt. You are out of excuses. I am the one who came, who lived, who died, and rose again. All your spiritual thirst is quenched in me, and your hunger is satisfied in me. So as Jesus looks at you this morning and says, who do you say I am? He would also answer, ask the question, and therefore, how should you respond? I am the great I am. I am the bread of life. The only bread that sustains, that sustains for eternity, and that sustains you in your day-to-day life. Church, I would encourage you, as I have to encourage myself every morning, to not feed on anger and fear. And it, it feels warm sometimes, though, doesn't it? It does. A little anger. A little righteous anger. Ooh, that's even better. It's like a warm coat sometimes. It won't, it won't last. It won't satisfy. Because we weren't created for that. We were created to worship the resurrected King of Kings, the bread who sustains for eternity. So uh, I would invite you, allow the Spirit right now to talk to you about some of the things you've been snacking on this past week. You know, that's the rough part about being a pastor is that I had to do that this week. Also, the rough part about being a pastor when your family sits in on the service and when people who work with you sit in on their service, you have to be like up front. And I sh- as I shared earlier, recognition is a big one for me. That's one that I, am, I have to be careful not to snack on. Because soon we find out when you... You know, you know when you, you guys are probably cleaner than I am, but some of you, maybe, you, you drive your car and you look in the back, especially if you're like a, a, a worker, maybe a builder or something, and a lot of the, the wrappers just get tossed in the back seat, and you're driving a bit, and then you look in the back, go, oh, that's become a habit. <laughs> that's how it happens in our life. We, we listen to things, we pursue things, we follow things, we, we scroll through our media and we're feeding hunger. We're chewing on it and chewing on it and it's become a part, it's starting to take over our hearts and taking over our minds. Jesus says, toss that away. That's not real food. I am true food. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Spirit, you can do a work that I, I could never do today. <laughs> so it, it's my prayer Holy Spirit, that you would give us counsel. Counsel to point out those areas where we've been snacking where we shouldn't be. Maybe for some of us, you need to point out we've been feasting where we shouldn't be. Thank you that you are not only our counselor who can give us clarity, but you are also our comforter. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we confess those things to you, you would draw us, drag us to the foot of the cross so that the gospel can do its work in our heart and mind. Thank you that on the other side of our repentance is a God waiting to embrace us. And so we come to you now. We come to you, God the Father, 
enjoying your embrace, hungry for your embrace. We come to you, Jesus, the true bread of life, and we come to you, Holy Spirit, and pray you would give us guidance. Guide us clear of those things that will pour, put poison into our heart and mind and draw us to, those, to more of Jesus and a desire for more of Jesus who will sustain us today and through eternity. And may we not be only proclaimers of the good news of this bread of life, but may we also be those who will offer this bread to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.